Welcome back, literary slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are diving into books outside of our comfort zones, or as the case may be, beloved favorites. <laughs> I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week on Shelf Aware, we're starting off Anna's unit on... God, what did we... What are we calling this? Um, where the... The one where the prince the falls where... in love with a dum-dum. <laughs> I feel like that doesn't accurately... That's true. Well, I, I guess let's get into into the first question of this episode, which is... Yeah. What's the deal, Anna? Why don't you like this trope? I don't like this trope for a very practical reason, mm-hmm. in which... It's not practical for someone with no political experience whatsoever to rule a country or, like, an entire world, depending on, like, what kind of novel this is. Like, that's just, you can't, I think, as our political landscape has shown in this year of our Lord 2020, you cannot have someone who is inexperienced in politics suddenly Mm -hmm. at the helm. And I, there's so many of these, and maybe it's mostly in the Christmas rom-com genre that mm-hmm. they experience, but I have read this in books as well, where it's yeah. like, but we need your fresh take on things. Your peasant way of thinking will really <laughs> help us turn this country around and drain the swamp. But you know what? No. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's, I think, my confusion, I guess, with this and my counter-argument uh-huh. is that the other option usually... Because this is a monarchy, right? It's not a democracy. Yes. So, like, the options then are between fresh person with new take and, like, stuck-up blue blood usually Mm -hmm. is the situation. And the people ruling would, and I think, you know, we'll get into it with this book a little bit, but generally when it's the classic uh, nobility or royalty marrying down story, there's still the royalty there. And I... I think I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be royal. It's like any any time where there is like this clear discrepancy in experience. Sure, sure, sure. But my my point is yeah. that if the one person in the couple uh-huh. is experienced or whatever because of bloodlines, that's still a shitty reason for them to be in power. So I guess mm. I think the whole thing should be torn down. You well, know? oh yeah, like, that is totally valid. Like we probably, you know. Just do away with with the whole hierarchy of you were born into it sort of thing. Like, let's yes. get rid of that. So I guess with my understanding of the whole thing doesn't make sense anyway and is a bad system of government. Yes. Like, But if you have to have it. Who cares who's marrying into it? It's going to be fucked no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it because... Um, if I if I want to read a book or watch a TV show that mm-hmm. involves the intricacies of ru- ruling a kingdom, I want okay. everybody to be a Peter Baelish. And that might say a little bit too much oh, about God. me and my proclivities, <laughs> but if we were all a little bit more Littlefinger, these books would be a lot more fun to read instead of just... The whoever the love interest is that's coming from the lower station is like herp a derp. Oops, I insulted an ambassador. Oops, I destroyed this treaty. Oops, I killed some people in a civil war. Like, I 
that that to me is just it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense it doesn't belong sure. no and i know they're books i know they're an escape from reality but that is too much of a stretch of an imagination for me personally <laughs> all right i want the one where everybody is like on their a game and they're all backstabbing and they're all plotting mm-hmm. against each other and i just i love that i love political intrigue but not when amateurs come into play Cool. All right. So that's why you don't like this trope, uh, which because let's get it into just frustrates me. It just frustrates you. Let's get into the book for this week. Yes. Which is an interesting case because usually when we start these units, the first book is a book that either is like notorious for being bad or a book that we don't like already or something like that. But that's not the case with this one. What's yes. the deal? Uh, this book, I read this, uh, I don't know, when did it come out? It came out in like 1998. So I probably read it a couple years after that in the mm. year Y2K. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, it was one of the first, like, it was, it really, it was a lot of first for me. It was the first book that really, I felt like went into, um, the downsides of, a war and a revolution and stuff and talked to them mm. about the common people being like, no, we don't like war. It's bad and blah, blah, blah. And also did a lot of the political intrigue stuff um, that I really love now. So this was a very formative book for me. And I really like the romance in this one because you can see a lot of growth. And there's so much, this is like a really good enemies to lovers trope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of things in this that I just were very... Um, it, it sparked a lot of other interests for me personally, and I think I reread it probably every few years. Um, okay. But the last time I, I was going to be my next question was like, how did it hold up? But if you're reading it that constantly, I guess. Yeah, no. Well, I looked on Goodreads, and the last time I had reread this was in 2013, so it had been a while. Um, but it was fantastic. Like there, I, every time I read it, I feel like. I feel like I know what this book is about, but then every time I reread it, I'm like, what's going to happen next? I'm so excited. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm such a dork about I feel this like maybe at this point we should, because I realized I didn't do this, say that the name of this oh, book. Oh, shit, you guys. <laughs> well, look at the title of the episode. <laughs> uh, is Crown Duel, is that the yes. correct mm-hmm. for the bind up of the two? Yeah, yeah. By um, Sherwood Smith. Mm-hmm. And which is weird, because as much as I love this book, I've never really read any of her other stuff, but she has a pretty big backlog of books that are all pretty similar yeah I was kind of shocked when I was reading this because I you mentioned it was 98 and I was getting a very like late 90s early aughts fantasy vibe from it mm-hmm. like it was very Tamora Pierce to me yes. you know like mm-hmm. that kind of vibe and I was like I can't believe that I didn't read this when it came out because mm-hmm. it seems like a thing I would have read mm-hmm. um because that was that was I was all about that high fantasy at that time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that being said, mm-hmm. I will say my personal review of oh this book. Oh, my God, book. You're going to break my heart. So here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I had some trouble uh-huh. with this book. And then I did spoil it for you on accident. You did spoil it for me, but <laughs> not really. Because, okay, so we've ta- we talk a lot on this podcast about how, like, when you go into things with like a certain mindset, it changes your reading experience, mm-hmm. right? And this one bit me in the ass hard, okay? Because when we talked about this topic, this trope, mm-hmm. usually the examples that we were giving to each other were, like you said, the Christmas rom-com type thing. 
I, number one, fully thought that this was going to be contemporary. Oh. (laughs) And then I got the book and I was like, oh, fuck, it ain't. And then number two, because this is the first time we're doing a trope instead of like a genre, Uh right? And that just didn't like click in my head. So I was like, oh, it's going to be like a romance, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So like the first book, they don't they don't kiss or nothing, you guys. They, they, they hate each other. Well, she hates him. I fully thought that this was going to be very like, um, because this is a bind up of two books. Mm-hmm. But the author said she feels like it's just one story. Like it yeah, I mean go it together, is. but whatever. But I fully thought this was gonna be like the Christmas Prince and the Christmas Prince Two, where the first oh, book is them yeah. getting together and the second book is her figuring out how to do shit. I'm right? so glad it wasn't. It's not that, but because I was expecting that, I kept like through the whole first book, I was like, why aren't they kissing? When yet? do they fuck? <laughs> when do they fuck? What's happening? <laughs> and I was like, this book, like I'm almost to the halfway point and these two aren't getting together. Am I? Is the- <laughs> Is it, is it like a different character? Is she going to end? What's happening? So I was. And then it just turns into a completely different book. And you're like, oh, yes. oh, damn. So I and I also felt like the first book was weaker than the yes, second one. That is 100 percent true. So I really didn't like the first book that much, but I really did like the second. And the second book was really the whole point of reading this. But like, I couldn't just throw that at you because then. I kind of wish you had because I think that like. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been that lost because they recap That's everything true. at the beginning of the second book. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it would have been okay. Mm. But. <sighs> this so is I, I don't fault favorites. the book. Whatever. I don't fault the book for the fact that I didn't have an enjoyable experience <laughs> reading the first half. I fault the way that I read this book, mm. which is to say In thinking it was going to be a contemporary book. rom-com. Oh, <laughs> uh, You should have known. I I don't know how I should have known that when every example we've talked about has been a contemporary rom-com. You should have read my mind or the back of the book. <laughs> yes. Once I got to, I mean, once I got to the book and saw the cover, I realized the contemporary thing was out the window. Because <laughs> they are fully in like Robin Hood dresses yes. on the cover. Yes. Well, I'm sad that you didn't super enjoy the first half of this book, but... Like I said, I feel like the meat of it is in the second part of the book. So we can go ahead and describe the plot, I suppose. Let's do it. Okay. So Meliara, or Mel, as she is referred to in the book, is a poor countess, like they have no money whatsoever, who shares the title with her older brother, Bran, after their father passes away. And the dad has instilled in them like this distrust of the king's court because he basically blames all of them for the murder of the children's mother. And essentially, the first half of this book revolves around a civil war slash revolution that's led by Mel and Bran. Um, And it's kind of, without like getting super into it, I'll try and describe uh, what the civil war is over. But basically, the king has decided to take over Mel and Bran's territory for his cousin because, uh, well, seemingly over their inability to pay taxes. But the king has also spread rumors that Mel and Bran are trying to break what they call the Covenant, which is a pact that humans have made with these magical beings that live up high in the mountains in a forest in the forest called the Hill Folk. And years and years and years and years and years ago, the humans in the Hill Folk went to war because the humans were cutting down too many trees, but the Hill Folks have magic, so they just like fucked everybody's shit up. 
Um, and they're like, okay, we won't kill you. We won't kill all of you humans with our magic. Um, just don't cut down any more of our trees. And also in exchange, we'll provide you with these magic fire sticks and they will give you warmth and light in the winter. And every household gets them. It's an equal distribution. Um, rich or poor, whatever. So the king is like, Mel and Bran are trying to break up this covenant, uh, by stealing more fire sticks than they're allowed and selling them off to foreign lands. But actually it's the king that's doing that which i do want to say real quick yes well i've got two complaints okay okay the first part of this book go ahead i'm sorry it's fine but i can't sit here biting my tongue the whole time i'm sorry that's fine it's fine Number one, I hated the info dump at the beginning of this book. I thought that was so fucking stupid. Yeah, that was like the one reason. It took me a long time to even read this book as a kid. It's because I thought the beginning was so boring. (laughs) Yes, the beginning is very boring. And there is a literal like prologue where it's like, again, I felt like it was very 90s where it's Mm. like, here's the things you have to know about this fantasy world. I'm not going to introduce this in a way with characters or like, a plot. In I'm just going to tell you the facts that you need to know right here up at the top because I couldn't work. <laughs> Don't it in bother later me on. about it later on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Go back and read the boring prologue if you have any questions. <laughs> Number two, Sherwood Smith must have been fucking high to think I was going to remember these fucking names. <laughs> This was some of the most egregious fantasy naming I've seen in a while. And I feel like she calmed down with it by the mm-hmm. second book. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay, they're going to be pronounceable now. But yeah. like for the first book, it's just like, you just, you just opened like 1996 random word generator and it took five minutes to load on your computer but then you got like a list <laughs> so of like 10 words because it, it had to be worth it yeah that were just like here's some some like syllables that sound vaguely okay together <laughs> what is your it, what is your least favorite of the name um this one actually isn't that hard to say but it's brand's full name oh, just yeah. because i kept thinking it said brainiac, brainiac. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It's like Braniac or something. Uh, yeah, I but don't like, know. I just call him Bran, man. But it's like Brainiac. Brainiac very... and malaria. <laughs> right? Like, what are we doing? Why? Just... If you're going to give them, like, these names, or if you're going to give them nicknames, just, like, have that be their names. That's fine. Yes. Yes. And this is this is the thing that fantasy authors, I feel like, do mm-hmm. that makes me even more mad right i'm like if you want to give your character a made-up name like that's cool i get it it's a fantasy world but like don't give them a stupid long made-up name Mm -hmm. and then give them Mm -hmm. a nickname for that name that is a real like in our world name like you can't why isn't he just brandon why isn't she just melody like what are we doing melody would have been awful though it would have been but like (laughs) melanie uh Amelia, like, there's a lot of things you could do with yeah. Mel if you want your character to be named Mel. Like, I think ugh. Miley's favorite name in this book is uh, the Marquise's name, real name, yeah. which is Vedanric, which I was like, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and then they even like they they shorten that to the nickname Danric too, and I'm just like, okay, that's way better. Danric sounds way better than Vedanric. Here's my thing though: I thought they should have shortened it to Vita. Vita would have been cool. Right? Ooh, yeah. I'm, I like or, that. Name. That's a sexy name. Right? Isn't it? Vita. Much better. Much better. Or, gone the other syllable, Ricky. <laughs> Make way for King Ricky. Ricky. 
<laughs> How great would that have been if we got through this like whole first book just referring to him as Shivraith? And then like And then he's her like, I'm not like, calling me Ricky. <laughs> right. They're like, why aren't you calling him Ricky? Everyone calls him King Ricky. Everyone just calls him King Rick. King Ricky. Oh my god. I like that. Alright, those are my two major complaints. That adds, that adds a bit of <laughs> levity to this whole thing. <laughs> Running for my life from Ricky. <laughs> I just I just really wish that fantasy authors had the balls to name their love interest Ricky. Ricky. <laughs> uh yeah, I want I want a scene. I want a famous romantic scene from mm-hmm. a high fantasy novel rewritten with the main characters names being like Ricky and Melody or <laughs> Earl and Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, uh, so Mel and Bran write this letter to the court asking them for aid in the war uh, because Mel and Bran are super poor. Like I said, they can't even afford windows in their castle. So, you know, they don't have an army. <laughs> but uh, no how much responds. do you think it would cost like windows to soldiers? Like, mm-hmm. like how many windows? Does this make sense? The thing I'm asking? It doesn't. How many windows could you buy for the cost of one soldier? Or vice versa. How many soldiers could you buy for the cost of one window? Because one seems to be a lot more expensive than the other. I I guess it depends. We need to know more about Mm -hmm. glass making in this world. Like, do most people just have open windows? And how expensive are people? That's a question. No, no, that's not a good question. Let's not go down that path. How expensive is it to hire a person? Mm, much better, much better. Okay. I don't, well, because they, they could hire mercenaries, but the mercenaries fucked off and took all their money. So, oh, right. I don't know. Mm, anyway. Mm. Uh, no one responds to their letter because it's probably poorly written. I should mention here, Mel was illiterate only until the year before when her brother finally taught her how to read and write. And then she taught herself how to do math. So these are the people running the revolution. There's also, we mentioned multiple times, and I'm probably going to keep mentioning that this is the bi- a bind up of the two books or whatever. But yes. at the end of this book, I don't know, did you read all of the supplementary material for this recording or... Um, I only read the the Danrick's birthday surprise. Okay. I did not okay. read the I've never read the things from Vedanrick's point of view because you know I don't like that shit and that's gonna come up <laughs> soon, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Uh but I was gonna say in one of the Vedanrick point of view ones. Uh-huh. It's get like Vicky or Ricky, Ricky which is better. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky gets a letter from Melody, and it's like, which is in this book <laughs> later, and he like makes a note of how it like looks like a little kid wrote it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which makes all of because this does have one of. I'm super jumping ahead. I'm sorry, but this does have one of the tropes that I love like the most, which is people falling in love via letters yes. and not knowing who the people yes. are. Yes, it's so tasty. Love it, but like. Just to remember during all of that, that she has like the penmanship of a kindergartner. Yes, I know. I was thinking that too, but I was this for this reread. It's like, boy, I hope she took some calligraphy classes or something because that's not going to be romantic at all. I doubt she did because I mean, like, they had to remodel the castle she in was the busy downtime. Just she was real busy. Yeah, so busy. <laughs> uh, 
So no one responds to their sad sack letter. And so they decide to go it alone. Um, apparently I typoed my notes. It says, so they decide to go to eat alone. <laughs> I, th- I think I meant to type war. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, and they, they're using like guerrilla tactics essentially because they're so familiar with the lay of the land and the mountains and they're just pulling pranks that are ruining the morale of this humongous king's army. But they're able to do that for five weeks. But then the king sends in a more competent commander, the Marquis of Chevraith, and the tides of war change. <gasps> this part also like threw me a little bit because I was confused as to how old the protagonist was supposed to be. Because like I think their he's warfare... like twenty five ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I meant I meant Mel. Oh yeah, um, how old know. she's supposed to be? Because yeah, like, what's the age of consent? Consent. Not even that so much. Just like I was like. Is this book, because I, I literally mm-hmm. didn't know because I'd never read this book. I was like, is this like a kid's book or like a YA or I like an adult? I think it's supposed to be YA. Um, I remember that's where I got it at Borders was the YA section. I know that she's old enough that she she's, can be married. She's and, Yeah, that's what I said. Like, what that. is the age of? But I was just like, what is the deal with the fact that for war, they are doing pranks? That seems like <laughs> not... Maybe they shouldn't be We're in putting charge. itch powder in the guy's yes. uh, armor. Oh, my God. That the sounds like a joke that we're making. It's not. It's, it's not. what happens in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, well, they shouldn't be in charge. But I guess we know that. Like, we, yeah. I, I guess mm-hmm. that's painfully upon. obvious <laughs> throughout the whole book. Poor things. Poor babies. Um, eventually, Mel gets caught in a trap set out by her brother. Which was, like, real shady because traps are against their war code, I guess. Like, they have laws of war and there are certain things that aren't aren't allowed. Traps aren't allowed. You're not allowed to set a trap. And, like, a bear but didn't trap. The, didn't the other side, and maybe I misread this because I was skimming. Yeah. I was going to say, they did some shit. But what was it? Can you, oh, reader of this book who's read it multiple times, can of you course. perhaps tell me yes. why is that against the rules? Uh, I think just because that shit ain't fair. I don't know. But can't like, have stuff flying. But that seems like that seems like pretty easy, like pretty low level pretty easy like, to cla- get. Yeah, and that's like a classic medieval weapon. Yeah. So like, and if people can do magic, like, right? And what are they allowed to do? Like, I wonder if it's because like I my assumption would be because the arrows take up so much wood, and they're not supposed to be mm. cutting down a lot of wood because the hill folk be mad. That they would be like, you you need to use a sword. That kind of makes sense. But then I feel like the kids are getting real pissy about it. <laughs> You're getting real pissy about this war crime done against them. Yeah, because so they do a like, one back. <laughs> right. Like, they don't bring that up, right? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like with them being all like, we must protect the wood, that would be brought up if that was the thing. But nothing else really makes sense. So yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I, I didn't really. That was just, I glossed over that because... I love this book. (laughs) (laughs) Bows and arrows, bad. Uh, Cannons, okay. (laughs) I don't know. They they didn't use cannons in this book. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's caught in a trap. Trap, trap, trap. Yeah, Mel's caught in a bear (laughs) trap. Thank you. (laughs) And as she's struggling to get out of this trap that her brother caught her in on accident, she's captured by the other side. Uh, and then so a large chunk of this book is then taken up with Mel 
uh, either being a prisoner or escaping captivity, trying to get home, getting captured again. Like it's it's a cycle she goes through. It's the most boring shit, you guys. <laughs> I could not. So I, I do. This is my favorite part of this book. That's funny. Are you serious? I, yeah, I like the part where she's on the run. I hate it so much. And I actually have thought about, because the, the, like before reading this book, I have thought about this being my next unit of book, but I didn't know how to like narrow it down enough for mm. it to be possible to pick it of like people traipsing places by themselves. Like uh, I can't. Aimless wandering. I can't. It's not even as aimless. It's like she's trying to get That's places, but it's like, purpose. it's just her and her interiority and she doesn't have anybody to talk to and or she's anyone so to flirt ignorant. with. What's the point? What's the point if there's no flirting? I don't understand. It's just like a hundred pages of her being mad at this boy. Yes. And wandering through woods. And I can't. And he saves her life multiple times and she's like, fuck him. She- Hate that guy. <laughs> What a garbage bag. I hate Ricky. He's so mean. He saved my life when I was going to be tortured by this mean baron. Ugh. Uh, it is a lengthy part of the book. If you're interested, you should read more. Um, Speaking of reading more, who would we recommend this book to? <laughs> I would recommend um anybody who's a high fantasy fan yeah. or, as you said, a hate, a hate to lovers fan, mm. read the second book. Mm, see, That's my recommendation. I think this book, it's like, 400 something pages long with both of them together if you're mm-hmm. if you want like a game of thrones light like very low stakes game of thrones that would yeah. this would be for you agreed all right maybe i'll edit that back into yeah when we're supposed to talk about that <laughs> or maybe leave I all of this in <laughs> dealer's choice uh <laughs> So, yeah, if you're interested in knowing more about what happens in this section of the book, then I recommend you read it. Um, But it is slowly revealed throughout the uh, series of events that she is getting help from the Marquise of Chivray throughout all of this. And anyway, finally, one of the last times she's trying to escape from something, she's taken by a group of soldiers under the Marquise's command, and she ends up at his castle, and guess what? Her brother is there. Because it turns out that once the Marquise was certain, he finally had Mel under his control where he could, like, safely transport her from one location to the other without her misconstruing the situation and running away, even though her ankle is broken and she has no food and no money and no shoes. And no clothes, really. <laughs> no clothes, really. Yeah. Um, he, he asked for a truce with Bran. Um, because it turns out that the Marquise is actually one of the good guys, y'all. And he had been working for a while from inside the system to bring down this terrible king. And it like their plans have just flown out the window because of Mel and Bran. And Mel becomes super embarrassed and defensive about her attempts at a revolution. <laughs> she cannot look at this guy without getting mad. <laughs> well, and she's also not sure... About she his whole, can't trust him yet, yeah. She can't trust him, you He know. was the first person to take her prisoner. That leaves an impression on yeah. a person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you can't just he threatened trust to torture a pretty face, pretty face like Ricky's just because... Mm, Ricky and his long blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. So the Marquise, Ricky, asked Mel and Bran to join his efforts, but Mel is too proud to accept his help, and she and her brother decide to just go home and sit everything out because they didn't do good and someone else is going to do better. So they're like, fine, we give up, whatever. Uh, But on the way home, the siblings are ambushed and 
Bran is shot by an arrow. And he's like, no, Mel, go on without me. Fly, you fool. And so she leaves him to what she thinks is his death. Uh, also important, Mel is convinced that the Marquise is at fault because of reasons that are explained in the book. There, there was a whole it's- plan where the Marquise was going to disguise his troops as the king's troops in order to then surprise the king's troops. But it was people dressed up as the king's troops that attacked Mel and Bran. And so she's like, oh, it must have been the Marquise. He betrayed us because we didn't go along with his plan. Um, So when she gets home, she musters up like the blacksmith and a kitchen maid and they go to attack the Marquise in this fortress. Uh, But it's okay because when she gets there, Bran is alive and he's like, stop, this is bullshit. Let's just be on their side. And (laughs) (laughs) the Marquise is like, yeah, no, it wasn't me. And she's like, fine, let's go fight the king. So they have to do that because everything's out in the open now. And they meet him on the battlefield and they win. The end. Except Brandon and Marquise go back to the capital and Mel sneaks off in the middle of the night and returns home because she's embarrassed because she realized how ignorant she is about the world. And she doesn't know anything. She doesn't know about how politics work and she doesn't know what it takes to run a kingdom. And she doesn't even know what it takes to win a war. And she's really bungled up this whole operation. So she's like, I'm just going to go live in seclusion. The world's better off without me. And book one. <laughs> But she leaves this super the, secret yeah. letter the that proof. proves that the king was a dickhead they and had could a have right been her it. like way to get on the throne or some shit. I don't know, whatever. She's like, yeah. hey, I, I guess I trust you to be in charge of this letter now, which, you, you know, that's, is that's admitting the a lot. first building block to a relationship, as everyone knows, is giving up trusting your significant <laughs> other. With state secrets. Exactly. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I give every person I go on a Tinder date with mm-hmm. one an FBI state. dossier I've stolen. <laughs> well, only part of one. And then when you become serious about them, you give them the yes. rest of it. That's the- exactly. <laughs> uh, so that was end of book one. Uh, like I said, I think it's fair to say this is not the stronger of the two books. It is not... And yet you like the running through the woods part best. I do like the running through the woods part best. Just don't understand it. I don't I just, I like this, like, the, the, the tension between Mel and the, Mar- it's, maybe it's like a reread thing. Like you go back and you're like, oh, he knew then that she was good. And like, this is, this was probably something the Marquise did to, in order for her to get away. I don't know. I just like that whole part. But there's no banter. What's the point there is no bands yeah that is true <laughs> she like pops off one line and then passes second out. book much higher on the bands oh it much was very better. good it was very good yeah the first book was was all of the build-up and then the second book is just like pure sex that's just like this is what mm-hmm. i'm saying the first book was really like the prologue it to was the, the second foreplay. book yeah. I was like, why did I read the whole first book? That's why, maybe just... Sherwood Smith, that's why she's like, you just, just bind them up together. Because if they just read the first book, they're not going to go on to the second one. <laughs> <laughs> that was how I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I bought it, it was already a bind up of the two. So that must have been like a really quick, like, nah, nah, guys. Yeah. We got we to gotta get them with both books at once. Great. Book two. Uh, which was uh, which is officially titled Court Duel, but for the sake of the bind-up, it's on this crown duel. But book two starts up six months later. And Bran returns home for the first time since the old king's defeat with his new fiance and the Marquise mm-hmm. in tow as a surprise to Mel. <laughs> She's like, fuck surprises, which is, I'm right on board with her there. <laughs> like, <laughs> surprises suck, you guys. 
<laughs> I love surprises. Mm-hmm. I think they're great. And I don't know where I'm going with this. House guests are not a good surprise. Oh, that's true. But also, it's not really her house. It's that's his true. It's house. It's her brother's house. She's... They sh- they said they would share the title of Count and Countess, and everyone seems to, like, willingly acknowledge her as the Countess, including people she's never met before, but she has never, like, been sworn in as a Countess or anything. Like, there's no documentation that says she has a right to any of these things. And I think it's also kind of like, because I think she brings this up at some point, kind of like a Dowager Countess versus mm. Countess situation mm-hmm. where it's like, once her brother's married, she doesn't get to be Countess anymore. Then she doesn't have like, shit, not even a title. Yeah, because it's like, she's Countess, so you can only have one, which mm. was another thing she brought up. She was like, you can only have one Countess of whatever. I'm like, fucking why? It seems like you guys are just doing whatever with titles. Yeah, so honestly, like, like you just dole them out wherever and call yeah, whoever, there whatever. Was, there was some line where like one of her peasant friends was like, Oh, what else would I do with my life? If I wanted to, like, work up my way through an apprenticeship to get a title, I was like, is that a thing you guys can do? Do you mean, like, title, like, Mr. Master. Master Or do you mean, like, Count? Because it seems like... They said when they became king and queen, they were just going to make her a duchess. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, Okay. All right. That would have also made me mad. You can't just you can't just make kitchen maids into duchesses. Just can't. Sounding a little bit uh Cinderella stepmother there, Anna. Well, you know what? Maybe she and I agree on a lot of things. Uh, not not child abuse. Rats don't belong making dresses. <laughs> kitchen maids don't belong in castles. Glass slippers don't belong in single pieces, you know. Griselda, great name for a daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what it is? Like Griselda and something else? Um, In the Disney version, I think it's maybe Drizzle. It's something with a Z in it. Like Drizella or Griselda. And I know the other one's Anastasia. Mm, Let's see. Because that one got got like a very... Uh, sympathetic edit in Cinderella sequels. <laughs> oh, it's Drizella, not Grizella. Okay. Or whatever it was. It has a Z in there, a Z sound in there. Yeah. I was close, you guys. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you you name the step-siblings of a different Disney princess. See how you do. Uh, I don't know if any of the other ones have step-siblings. <laughs> really hard for them to do, won't it? She- <laughs> Uh, Mel has been using her time since the revolution, fixing the castle up real nice. They got windows now uh, because <laughs> they inherited the old king's personal fortune as a thank you for their services. So they rich now. That seems like definitely not how that should work also. But, you know, whatever. We have other things to deal with. The, so let's move uh, on. We have a romance to get to. Yeah. Like he <laughs> has living family and they still have their title and stuff. So like... It seems like either either they should have gotten more or they should have gotten way less, you know? Like mm. they are kind of under a house arrest of sorts. I don't know. Yeah, but it, like everybody was under house arrest at the start of it, so that's like just business as usual. And also <laughs> doesn't one of them just fuck off and be like, "Fuck it, I don't care if I'm under house arrest." And yeah, just yeah, she two of them do leave and they're like, mm, "We're so, done with like, this now." <laughs> seems like that wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> Uh, seems like you should maybe i don't know look into the family of the evil tyrant king a little bit harder here they tried but they were just so prickly they couldn't get close to them (laughs) they were too mean (laughs) so 
Mel is like super proud of the way that the castle has is looking now, but she hasn't really made a lot of like uh personal upgrades, I guess. Like I'm not like no shame. I probably wouldn't either. I'd probably be more interested in buying a hundred books than I would be well, mm, no, I don't know. All new words. Yeah, you got pretty, mm. you got to the end of the sentence and you knew it was a yeah, lie. Yeah, and I was like, oh I lied big. <laughs> um and Bran is also like, why are you wearing this old gown? Ratchet. <laughs> Bran is rude as fuck. Bran like, is the, I hate Bran, 100%. Everybody keeps being like, he's just so, on, he's, he's like. so charmingly mm. honest. I'm like, no. Yes, and I'm like, he's that dude, he's right? He's like. He's the I'm, no offense guy. <laughs> yes, I'm only saying it because it's true. It's like, just because something is true doesn't mean you have to say it. Like, you can be honest without being a fucking dick. Yeah, like he's like, that dress went out of style 30 years ago. What the hell are you doing wearing that? Right. It's like there's there's a difference between being honest and saying only truthful things mm-hmm. and saying every truthful thing that yep. you think. Yep. <laughs> the second one is rude. It's like you're allowed to be honest and still have a social filter. Mm. Can you imagine not seeing like a friend or loved one for six months and the first thing you say is, wow, you ugly still. <laughs> right. I mean, I can't. Im- Here's the thing. I got to the, <laughs> okay. the laugh. That's a lie too. Because I could do that, but I would do it intentionally to be rude. <laughs> mm, there, that is a big difference. And yeah, we would all go, would, oh, that M, she's so charmingly rude. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, what, you can't get mad at me because it's the truth. It's like, fuck <laughs> off. You can still get mad. I'm like, no, please get mad at me because I told a lie. <laughs> I'm trying to push people away with my mean <laughs> statement. It's only been six months. Now get out of here. <laughs> Please. I never want to see your face again. Just go. Your dress is ugly. <laughs> oh. So poor country bumpkin Mel gets real sad. And it just reminds her that she doesn't know shit about shit. And <laughs> Bran's fiance, knee, which is short. For a name I can't remember. It's like Nimori. No. I want to say Niara, but I think that's wrong. Yeah, it doesn't matter. She goes by (laughs) Ni. She's like, I'll take you under my wing and teach you how to do court things. But you have to promise to come to your brother's fucking wedding. Like that. Like she was just like, no, I'm not going to the wedding. But maybe she was. Maybe she was. I think that was more of a thing when travel took longer. Mm -hmm. Like if you were like royal and shit. And you were, like, in one city. Uh-huh. It would be, like, a whole... Because ha- it was a whole hassle because she had to get people to, like, take care of the lands That's and whatever true. while she was gone. <laughs> uh, but... Which really kind of... The question really is, why the fuck is her brother, who is going to get to inherit the land and be in charge of the land and whatever, not having the wedding in his own hometown? Why is he having a destination wedding that none that of his hometown friends can true. travel to? That's rude as shit. <laughs> they were Continuing trying to the- save. They were trying to save. They didn't want to pay for that many people to come eat at their wedding. So they were just going to have it somewhere else. Not speaking they- from experience at all. <laughs> they picked the destination that only their rich friends could attend. And so they'd get better gifts. <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh, so Mel sets about educating and dressing herself nicely. Uh, but there's this whole Marquise issue. So Mel still has a lot of conflicting emotions toward him, mostly embarrassment at what she feels like was a huge loss for her six months ago. Um, and also anger because 
she's still all salty about being held prisoner and stuff and how the Marquise did not explain his plans to her immediately, even though that would have been a silly thing for him to do and shit. So they are always fighting, but it's always like Mel just goes off on him. He's like, he'll be like, wow, your dress looks really nice today. And she'll be like, are you trying to bring up the fact that I got my foot stuck in a bear trap a year ago and you had to chase me across the country for a hundred pages? Why do you keep bringing that up? And he's like, nah, I just, your dress looks nice. You're an asshole. Get out of here. It's all very sexy. It's so sexy. <laughs> Uh, but Marquise is also like, we need to pretend we're friends or else people will start to talk and assume that you don't want me to be king because I do want to be king, but I don't know if you know this, but you're considered a war hero because of everything you did in book one. Uh, the whole world loves you. And if you don't look like you love or like, like me as a friend, then people are not going to consider me to be the king and they'll put someone even worse on the throne and she's like well would those other people be better than you i'm gonna go do my own research so they go to the capital which like to be fair to her Mm -hmm. like i agree and also Mm -hmm. it doesn't turn out this way but like his whole thing about oh you have to be nice to me in public so that um other people don't think you hate me is like true and valid but like it could also be a very douchey like line right that's it could be like a move you need to spend a lot of time with me you gotta spend time with me or else everyone will think you hate me and the kingdom will collapse so Mm -hmm. like you know (laughs) so get on that dick it's in it's in the world's best interest for you to go on a date with me (laughs) right Uh, well, and it's silly, kind of, because it doesn't even matter because everyone realizes that the two of them don't get along anyways. <laughs> Whatever. And I think she kind of brings it up later where she's like, oh, I guess everybody realized we hated each other and he hadn't brought it up again. So, like, maybe he is a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I should give him a chance and be friendly with him in public. So I do that. Um... They get to the capital, and Mel learns that really no matter how much she's prepared ahead of time, she's not really, she couldn't have been ready for life at court. Things are, things are, things are whack. People say things they don't mean. Can you imagine? (laughs) Uh, But she makes some friends. She makes some enemies. She starts some cool new fashions. And she also finds herself kind of being wooed by the Marindar family, which is like the remaining relatives of the previous king. Um, the ones who should have been demoted. The yes. ones who probably should have been executed. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> I mean, like, I get it. Ricky wants to be like a kind of benevolent Ricky ruler is and so also benevolent. isn't technically the king yet for stupid reasons, but like, whatever. Um, <laughs> they have, to, they so have to get the paperwork printed out. They so stupid anyway like i get it that he doesn't want to seem like a tyrant king but like i don't know i don't know i feel like there's some there's something in between maybe like 
beheading them and like sowing their fields with salt so that nothing ever grows yeah. there Banishment's and like it's fine you, you know? know like there's something between that and like just letting them chill at court yeah like like letting them have free reign of whatever that mm, and maybe it's do- not just like they chill at court but it's like they're really popular still <laughs> yeah and like are actively plotting against him basically to his face yes and he's like, well, okay. I have nothing I, mean, I, I can do about this. As long as Mel doesn't like them, we're all good. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is like a a male in the family named Flavik who like kind of tries to make out with Mel. Well, does make out with Mel, I guess, but tries to like kind of get a romance between the two of them started. But Mel is like, no, she cuts that off. Um, she does not like his kisses. They do not spark joy within her. <laughs> I will say that was there was a little moment where I was like, okay, Mel, maybe like get off your high horse a little bit because Mm -hmm. she was like, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but she's like, I understood that such things could bring passion, but just because it was passionate, it didn't mean it was right. And I didn't want, and it's like, okay, girl, like, yeah, don't don't need to sex shame. You don't, you don't need to marry the dude. Like you can make out with people. It's fine. You should practice kissing other people before you practice or before you kiss your future husband, I guess. Ricky Ricky expects a certain level you of know skill. Ricky's got experienced <laughs> lips. <laughs> the name like Ricky. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> who wouldn't wanna lick those who, who wouldn't wanna swap spit with Ricky? <laughs> uh, who wouldn't wanna give him a dental exam? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't wanna play tonsil hockey with Ricky? <laughs> So, uh, where am I? Oh, Mel attempts to navigate these issues on her own, but recognizes that she needs advice from outside parties. So she calls their old family spy out of retirement and asks him to dig up some info for her, which he does happily. Uh, And meanwhile, a mysterious individual has begun sending Mel gifts, like a really nice ring on her birthday that her brother fucking forgot. Uh, Bran is the worst. Some flowers, like a book, whatever. And... Mel decides to use this individual as a sounding board for her ideas about what to do at court because she's like, you can keep a secret, clearly, so I'm going to tell you all of mine, Uh, which is fine. It worked out for the best, but it definitely couldn't could have gone very badly, which she does realize later. She's like, oh, shit, what if they just like tell all my secrets to everybody? I did think for a minute that it was gonna they were gonna like bait and switch and it was gonna turn out to be Flavic or whatever. Oh, yeah, but then yeah, it, yeah. it went on long enough I was like, oh no, it's okay. This is cute. Yeah. I can be invested in this. <laughs> There's a lot of like political stuff that goes on in this book that would be kind of tedious to go through on a podcast. Um so read the book, it's really good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Mel throws a really big party and it goes well. <laughs> uh I wouldn't talk about that party though. Okay, let's cause... talk about the party. So Mel it's her duty as the person closest to Bran to throw Nee a party as the to welcome her into the family, essentially. And Mel decides to throw a ball where everyone comes dressed as a, an ancestor from I think it's like five or six hundred years. Five hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And they and they are gonna have authentic food, authentic entertainment authentic music and dances like somehow this knowledge has survived two two sides to this yes number one first side side a i really liked this aspect actually because i I was like a lot of times when there's like 
fantasy books, it kind of seems like they're just all suspended in like generic middle ages. Mm -hmm. So I liked the fact that they were like, no, things have progressed here and we have technology and things have changed in 500 years and Mm -hmm. we have different fashions. And like, I like it was really cool world building, I felt like. But side B, the B side, not so good. Um, If someone asked me to come to a party dressed up as my ancestor from 500 years ago, I would kill that person. (laughs) But what What if you had an infinite amount of money? I cannot imagine someone in like themed parties Mm, mm -hmm. are a a crime against me. And I, I say this as a person to throw you at the party. <laughs> I say this as a person who likes like Halloween. I like costumes and whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with costume parties. Don't give me a theme because then you're tamping down my creativity. You're uh-huh, giving me an assignment. Uh-huh. You're giving me a research assignment that I now have to do. Yes. The fact that it's my own family history is bullshit. Like I don't <laughs> I don't need to do this for you. This is so performative because, of course, they're all like, we have to, she has to like check and make sure that all of the families didn't have like shithead relatives at that time and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible. Just like to put this in perspective, I get why they can do this as like nobility because they have that shit written down, I'm sure, for Mm -hmm. a thousand years or whatever. But like, imagine if someone was like, you have to come to this birthday party for my brother's fiance and you have to dress like your great grandmother. Great, great, like, what great, the great, great, fuck? great, great. No, no. I'm just like to put it more oh, in like in something we could feasibly do. We're ha- Even that would We're be such a We're having a Dust Bowl theme party, you guys. <laughs> you all got to come in your most John Steinbeck get up. <laughs> it's such a weird combo of like. Costume parties, which aren't for everyone. Specific theme costume parties, mm-hmm. which is rude. And then with family history, like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> but everybody is like, this is such a great idea. This is the best party. To be fair, uh, it sounds like they don't, this is the very first themed party that has ever been thrown at all in this kingdom. <laughs> like, she goes That's to Plavik for advice. She's like, in other countries, in other distant lands, what do they do for parties? And he's like, Plavik's <laughs> like, Plavik's like, look, you know, you got the seventies, eighties night. <laughs> <laughs> you got rainbow night. If you really got- want to feel old, they've got the early aughts nights now. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. Because I was thinking about that actually when I was reading this. Because I was like, I guess we do kind of do this with like decade parties, right? Mm-hmm. Like. But when I was in high school, we had themed things, and that was usually 60s, 70s. But then by the time I was, like, started in the workforce, my first, like, job did themed nights, and that was usually, like, 80s, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I wonder what high schoolers are making their senior stresses now. They very do 90s and early aughts. I just can't imagine how trashy that looks. Very bad. The fashion of that time, very bad. I mean, I guess you could get away with, like, jeans under a dress. (laughs) That's true. That was a thing. That was a big thing. So many belts. A lot of belts. A lot of those little butterfly hair clips. Yes. There were the little butterfly hair clips. Mm -hmm. And then there were the butterfly hair clips with the butterflies on springs. Yes. You know? Where Mm -hmm. the wings were, like, flapping as you moved. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I definitely (laughs) had those. My favorite were, like... I think they were called like popcorn shirts where they started, mm-hmm. they were like really bumpy and they started really small, but then it was like one size fits all kind of most. One I wanted a popcorn shirt so bad 
and I never got one because one of my friends had a popcorn shirt and she used to always like when she wore it to school, uh-huh. she would like, she was, <laughs> sounds so mean now. She was so performative with it. Like she would take it off in between classes. What? Like, she had, she had like another shirt underneath. And so okay. she would like take off then the popcorn shirt. she would shirt like be like, like, look how small look it is. How tiny this popcorn shirt is. And we were all like, that's amazing. <laughs> How could something so small turn into a wearable garment? It, it looks like a shirt for a baby doll. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, man. God, Someone get I... me a popcorn shirt. Limited, too, man. I remember they used to have those. And, like, the, um, do you remember the Paul Frank monkeys that were everywhere? Yeah. Those, like, sock puppety monkey things. Do you remember the limited, two glitter body spray? Yeah. That oh, yeah. shit was the shit. And it smelled like it one thing. It was like watermelon instead of like being like. <laughs> uh, cucumber melon. Very big. In the that, early that was more Bath and Body Works yeah, though, I feel yeah. like. I remember the Gap had a perfume that was just grass scented. Nice. <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh, <laughs> Let's. I've changed. I've come around. Let's throw an Ots theme party. I'll come as grass. <laughs> I'll come as a butterfly clip. I'm just I'm just gonna cover my body in Abercrombie and Fitch bags. <laughs> uh Mel attempts to become more friendly with the Marquise, like we said, and she, she and her mysterious letter writer also end up having some kind of courtship via letter, which is very cute. A plus. Oftentimes writing letters to each other three times a day. Very fast paced. <sighs> just so intense. They're meeting of the minds via paper instead of a sexual attraction in person. Yeah. I kind of wish this book had played that out. I was cut because this is another trope I really love is when it's like someone with a secret identity and then they fall in love with the person and that person falls in love with them and their secret identity and then they're mm. like conflicted because they're like, oh, I love X person, but I also love X person. And it's like the same person, but then they feel really bad about it because they're like, I love them both and I'm emotionally cheating on them and then they get revealed and then they get real mad about it because they're like I can't believe you didn't tell me and I fell in love with both of your personalities and then it all gets resolved in the make out a lot I was kind of hoping it would go in that direction oh, but it didn't I've got some fan fiction recommendations <laughs> for you <laughs> that is a Send trope that is uh, comes up a lot in one of my personal favorite fandoms we don't have to talk about it on mic that's fine uh, <laughs> what is it Mel eventually sends the letter writer a ring in return and asks him if he would wear it if she asked, because she has no idea who this person is, but she doesn't really get a response uh, in regards to that, but he can, they continue to trade letters back and forth eventually after a few days. Anyway, a bunch of political drama happens, and the two of the Marindar family leave court, the mom and her daughter, which is uh, the original king's or the former king's sister and niece. They just, like, fuck off. They disappear one night in the middle of the night. Seems like that house arrest was a great, great punishment. Was clearly going well. Mel's spy confirms that these two are gathering forces to start up a civil war so they can retake the throne. 
But even worse, they've got this plant that they're going to burn in the forest that is fatal to the hill folk. And that's breaking the covenant hardcore. Which does maybe bring up some questions about that original war with the hill folk and why they didn't just burn that plant then. But like, whatever, I can't. Maybe they didn't. I'm imagining this war happened like a thousand plus years ago. It was a recent discovery (laughs) of the genocide plant. (laughs) We accidentally killed a bunch of hill folk and broke the covenant like 10 (laughs) years ago. But then we stopped. (laughs) Uh, so Mel tells- maybe maybe they made the treaty with the Hillfolk and the Hillfolk were like, cool, cool, cool. I'm glad we've solved this war and we're in a super super tight peace treaty now. Yeah, you now signed that it. We can't are, take it back. Can't take it back. Now that you can't take it back, no take backsies. <laughs> do not burn this plant anymore. It will kill all of us real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you said you weren't going to. You said <laughs> you promised you cannot break this covenant. If you do, you don't get any more fire sticks. You'll be real cold all winter. Regular fire doesn't work as well. Regular fire can burn down houses, mm-hmm. unless I guess True. you made them of stone. I guess you guys. I guess. Oh no! You I guess you do that have that capability. Uh, oh, oh. Uh. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mel tells her spy to tell this information to the Marquise and his family because his parents have kind of been the interim leaders while they're trying to decide who will be the next king, or they're trying to finalize who will be the next king, because. Essentially, they're, like, the oldest people left. <laughs> <laughs> Except for, like, maybe that old gambling dude. Yeah, that like, old gambling dude is clearly just, like, real skeezy. It's, like, not fit to rule. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess what the former king did was, like, he killed off a lot of mommies and daddies, but then raised the, not raised, but ordered the kids to come to court and they grew up there so they could be under his thumb or whatever. Anyway, they're the only two old people left. <laughs> Or potentially they're the only two old people left who, like, are interested in doing this. That, yeah, that too. Like, they're like, everybody Ugh. else is like, you know what? Like, it kind of seems like people who are near the throne die a lot. So I'm actually kind of okay with just staying in my <laughs> yeah, own Yeah, you, you like, can do duchy. this prince and princess. It's fine. It's fine. We're, we're good. We're good out here. <laughs> Mel's like, tell them that. And then I will go to warn the hill folk. So she gets on a horse and she rides to the mountains. But along the way, she's like, spots this figure. A mysterious figure, and she's like, "Ooh, could that be a spy?" And she follows him, and guess who it is? It's the Marquise, you guys. It's Ricky, and Ricky. she's like, "Why are you here? How do you know what's happening?" And Ricky's like, "Right back at you, girl." <laughs> she's like, "Oh, I guess it does kind of look like I'm doing a bad thing because I have suddenly taken off from the capital at night without saying anything to anyone, and I know this top secret state information." And we are not significant others yet. So I see why you're confused. (laughs) Uh, So she reveals what she knows, how she knows it. And he's like, cool, go to the mountains. So she does. Because he like already knew most of this shit, except for the hill people thing. Mm -hmm. And he's he's like like, going to deal with it in the way that he was already planning on dealing with it. Yes. Yes. And he's like, you rustic country bumpkin type, go to your hill folk people and warn them because that is clearly only a job you can do. Quickly, they will respond to your bare feet. Yes, your bare feet and your illiterate nature. You speak to them through the ground. (laughs) The song of the hill people. (laughs) So she makes it there and she warns the hill folk. And as she's coming back down the mountain, she's facing down this huge band of mercenaries that have come to bring this terrible plant to burn. And she's like, well, it's me against like 50 of them, but I'm going to fight them and die. It's going to be real sad. But then the Marquise's people show up at the last minute to save the day. 
And they escort Mel to the Marquise, and he reveals that he was the letter writer by, like, slowly taking off his glove one finger at a time, and then the <laughs> ring is there. Mm. <laughs> and Mel's like, oh, I guess I love you, man. I probably have for a long time. What I wasn't feeling was embarrassment. It was sexual attraction. <laughs> Easy to confuse. <laughs> and then they make out. But then they ride back to the Capitol together to, like, clean shit up and uh they find out everyone has been turned into stone because it turns out that the marindar the former king's nephew flavic we've mentioned he knows magic and he turned everybody into stone to take over the throne uh and he's in the middle of monologuing but the hill folk are like nah bitch and they swoop in at the last minute and turn him into a giant ass tree as a way to say thanks to mel for saving them (laughs) this ending was a lot and it was kind of like i don't know i don't know where i land on if this was necessary or not Mm. because i'm like I feel like everything kind of got wrapped up a couple scenes ago, so I don't really know why we had to have the second villain come out of nowhere, but also, like, he was kind of being shady earlier, so it would be weird if that didn't go anywhere, you yeah. know? I don't know. I think it was meant to play kind of like the sister and mom were a distraction and he was the real villain, yeah. but they did make a bigger deal out of the distraction than they did about the real villain, because it was yes. kind of, it was. I think it this ending was too abrupt. Where they should have, like, spent more time. Yeah. And I feel like the whole, her whole arc of being, like, not really capable of doing anything, but she's going to try anyway, kind of came to a head with the confrontation with the wagons, where she's Mm -hmm. like, hey, I know that I still, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, and I might end up looking like an idiot, but I'm still going to try because it's the right thing to do. Like, that kind of happened. So then, like any character like I I feel like this scene was kind of just like I don't know like it didn't it didn't do much for me character wise yeah it was kind of like thrown out she's like oh wait there's another one I gotta I gotta gotta wrap that that up up or else he's just I can't write a third book and then they turned him into a tree which is like very 90s fantasy way of dealing with your villain so that your protagonist doesn't have to actually draw blood yes a (laughs) hundred percent Like, I can think of, I think, like, four different books where that happens. <laughs> yeah. He's a tree now. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. No, you're still innocent. You're pure. You're brave. It's fine. You didn't do a kill. It's fine. <laughs> He's just a tree. Oh, no. Yes. And then they become king and queen, and they can be a king and queen that did so without death. Nice. Kind of. Except for a tree man. Except, yeah. He's- the tree man who they who they make listen to all of their like government stuff so that he can learn how a good and just government should be because they still think he's like present. So like when in like this was not covered in the supplementary material mm-hmm. in like 30 years from now or whatever when Ricky and Mel are like, you know what, we're going to step down from the throne and mm-hmm. retire or just we're gonna die. leave it to. Or just die, but I wanted it to be more positive than that. Thank okay, you. Okay, okay. Um, but you know they're going to step down, and they're going to leave it to their kid, whatever. Like, how many days do you think it was before the kid was like, "Okay, let's get the fucking tree out of the throne"? Yeah, I'm a, you guys, I'm so sick of this tree. It really this tree is so my stupid. View of that side it doesn't of the make room. any sense. It's also made of a very expensive wood. We could sell it. We hate we hate sweeping up the leaves every fall. <laughs> how is it doing that? The ceilings aren't that tall. How is it? What's happening? How is it getting sunlight? Oh, it's magic. You can't. 
I the thing with this book, rereading it uh, as mm-hmm. often as I do, the more I really wish Mel and Flavik ended up together at the end. <gasps> That's terrible. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Yeah, go with the go with the magician guy who's like just gonna fuck shit up, man. Mel, come on, just just go to the dark side, do it. Oh, of course, of course, you would think that. But no, I do like I do like this book. I do like I do like Ricky and Melody together. I was gonna say I really liked Ricky as a love interest because too. he's one of my favorite type of love interests, which is just the nice boy, not nice guy, but the nice boy. Yeah. He's just a good. A good, nice boy who's trying his best. And he's got that dry <laughs> sense of humor we all love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do. I like Ricky a lot. But, you know, there's part of me, too, that's like, what if, though, girl? I'm here for that AU. <laughs> what if you became the Dark Queen? It'd be sweet. What if he, what if the third book was about him, like, slowly corrupting you, and then you just become super evil? That'd be cool, too. That's a book I'd read. You need help. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I always want. I'm just. I. I just. Mm, I always want the bad guys to win. It's. I don't know what. What. You're a nice person. I don't Thank understand you. What's, <laughs> what this drive is for the villains to always win. I don't either, dude. <laughs> like I get it sometimes. Sometimes there's just a sexy villain, but it's like all the time for me. All know. the time. You don't have an off button on the villains. <laughs> Ugh. what is oh, that line man. from uh 50 shades of gray like i have sh- desires <laughs> your inner goddess or something no that- when he when he like is about to show her his sex oh. room and he's like i have <laughs> neither of us have read 50 shades of gray i'm gonna google it uh my desires are unconventional <laughs> But they're not, though. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway. Well, I wanted to talk about real quick before we get into, like, the next thing, kind of how this fits into your dislike of this trope as a whole. Yes. Because I have a couple of thoughts. Number one, because you said before that you feel like this book ruined this trope for you. Because it did it really well. Yeah. How much does this actually fit into the trope? I, and I'm just asking, I'm not like trying to like doubt your own likes and dislikes, but I'm just trying to clarify. <laughs> I'm trying to clarify for future books, like for how yeah, I yeah, wrap yeah, up yeah, this. Yeah. Okay. How much does this really fit into the trope when he does not start off as the king? I guess is my first question. Um. Well, I think it's... It's more like the vibe, right? No, like mm-hmm. he's he's like this really sophisticated, aristocratic, born into this role, perfect at it, can disguise his emotions and his yeah. his uh intentions and everything on a whim. Um and she is this rough and rowdy dirty girl who came from the woods and can't read, um, and thinks that she can do the same job that he can. Mm-hmm. comes to the realization that she can't and then learns from there. So I think I think it's like a even though it's not like royalty and commoner, it's I feel like the the levels of disparity are still there. So really with all of this, I guess kind of 
I don't want to broaden it too much, mm-hmm. but just so I can get a handle on it. Is the issue really the royalty thing? Because you've said, like, you know, it could uh, be nobles, whatever. Yeah. Or is it just anyone who is... I a, don't think an anyone expert... should rise above their station. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> like an expert and a novice yes. relationship where the novice reaches expert status through the relationship. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, it's less about the actual status and more about the one being untrained and then not really going through any training but get being conferred higher yeah no I, I think because I of their relationship at. yeah no i think um i don't i don't seem to mind it as much in other okay genres because i think to me it really comes down to is like you don't have the political know-how to run a country or a duchy or a whatever you know like you just gotcha. you can't so stop finding the small town baker who moves to the vaguely English country <laughs> and falling in love with her and making her a princess or a queen just because she's nice to people. How do you feel about Meghan Markle? <laughs> oh, oh, no. No, I really like her. Real life is not the same. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I think I kind of I kind of have a general idea of where I want to go with this. Um, but speaking of going places with this, what else have you been reading? Um, I didn't. I actually I've come prepared. <laughs> oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, it wasn't that hard because it was the book I read right before starting this one. <laughs> Great. And I didn't realize this trope was in this book. Um, but the book is called On the Edge by Alona Andrews. And mm. I've talked about Alona Andrews on here before. It's a husband and wife duo that write under the pseudonym and they write just a bunch of urban fantasy. And this particular series is about there is um the broken, which is our normal world that has no magic, and the weird, which is like the exact kind of the exact same thing, but there is magic. And then there's this place called the edge. That's between the two places where some people live and reside and everything. And uh, they can kind of do magic, but not as good of magic. And they also have to rely on the broken world. Whatever. That's the concept. Um, <laughs> it's very good. It's kind of, it's an anthology series though. So every book is about a different couple, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is about a girl named Rose and a guy named Declan. And he is those what, are some romance names. Oh yeah, and he is what they call a blue blood, which is a rich guy, aristocratic guy, and she is an edger, so she's poor. And there is a trouble they have to solve, and then they also fall in love. Uh, which I didn't, as far as this trope goes. Like I said, I did not know this was the trope going into it. It was fine. It was not my favorite, but she does like at the end of the book. Spoilers. If you're going to read it and just like skip ahead 20 seconds. Um she does at the end of the book like before they get married, she's like I'm going to give you like 30 days to decide if this is going to be a bad idea cuz I'm not going to fit in with your hoity-toity family. I'm too stupid. Uh so <laughs> if you still want to marry me after 30 days, then we can go ahead and do it. And he does. So, whatever. It was fine. I liked everything leading up to that part. Arousing recommendation. <laughs> I gave it three stars. <laughs> that is what I read, though. I Alona Andrews is very, they are, she is very good at the world building. She has a lot of unique premises. I would recommend. 
anyway, moving on. What are you reading? Um, so I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but a lot of times when we're recording an episode, I try to pick up books that will be in that genre, mm. like so that I have something to recommend. <laughs> um so the problem this week was that I picked up one that was a contemporary because <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what we were doing. Very so funny. I'm going to go ahead and recommend Her Royal Highness by, I think it's Rachel Hawkins. Yes. Um, which I am not all the way through yet, so I can't fully recommend, but so far I'm liking it. It's about a girl who goes to a uh, boarding school in Scotland and falls in love with a princess. So, you know, that's always fun. I've heard really good things about that book. Um, I also wanted to recommend, apropos of absolutely nothing, you know, this June 1st of, in the year of our Lord 2020, which is when we're recording this. I don't know. Maybe go read some Audrey <laughs> Lord, guys. I don't know. Like yeah. some James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Something. Just, just throwing that out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it for this week. So next week, uh, we're going to be doing Animorphs, Animorphs, Megamorphs number two. In the time of the dinosaurs. Yes. The thing is, I keep wanting to say love in the time of dinosaurs, which is not the name of it. Oh, that would be very good. Yeah, it would. It's probably a Chuck Tangle book, right? Like, Surely. (laughs) (laughs) But it is called In the Time of Dinosaurs. uh, So come on by for that. The week after Speaking that. Speaking of Chuck Tingle, though, to interrupt you uh, while you're on a roll, which I love to do. Um, <laughs> Mutual. Or, do, you, <laughs> do you follow him on Twitter? Um, I don't think I do, but I come across oh. this stuff a lot. It gets retweeted. I was super disappointed to realize his books were just like written normally. And they weren't written <laughs> in the style of his tweets. <laughs> What's even the point then? What is even the point? The week after that, we are going to be starting my next unit, which I am... <laughs> Waiting with Beta. I'm so sorry for this. Okay, so like, we've been talking about what I'm going to do for a while now. It's a different thing? Is it a third option? third option. (laughs) Okay. So, and you're going to be mad about it, I think. Excellent, excellent. Because the trope, I I picked a trope. I think I'm calling this a trope. Uh Um, so, the trope that I'm going to do is... When there's a book with a cute animal in it, and the cute animal dies. Oh my god, Emma! To prove a point. To be specific, not just like, not like there's an animal and it dies, because I can deal with that. Okay. When the book is about the animal dying, and that being like the thing Uh, that transforms the character. Like the coming of age. Yes. Coming, that coming of age books where an animal dies. Is the thing we're doing. God, and we're going to okay. start with um, one that I haven't actually read, but I saw the movie of, and I fucking hate the movie so much. Oh. The Yearling by Marjorie no. Kinnon Rawlings. <laughs> and it's I going to be very upsetting. <laughs> Why have you done this to us? I'm so glad I picked a topic that's like actually upsetting. <laughs> Oh my god. First of all, this book written in 1938. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. It's going to be real easy for you to find historical examples of this because it happens in like every book for children before like the 90s. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, that's going to be that's going to be kicking off my next unit. Animal death. I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate that you've done this to us. Oh, man. I should just, I'm just, I'm not even going to pick a book I think you'll like. I'm just going <laughs> to, 
I'm just going to make them all sad. Yeah, I don't really know. Because I don't I don't mind sad, sad books. And we'll get into it more next, you know, episode, or uh, two episodes from now. I just don't like this specific type of sadness. It's a bad one. It's, it's... It is. So you have to figure out a way to fix it. <laughs> I don't think I can. Oh, we'll find out, won't we? Oh, God. Do you have... Do you want to... You got anything you can send us to cheer us up for that unit? <laughs> <laughs> you can tweet at us. Tweet tweet us pictures of alive animals that are very oh cute. Uh, at shelfawarecast or email us shelfawarecast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the Aspire theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms, so if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should, because, I mean, we've just made the next few episodes sound super appealing, you guys. <laughs> hey, the next one's dinosaurs, guys. That's true. The next one's love in the time of dinosaurs, <laughs> and then dead animals. <laughs> if you use Apple Podcasts, if you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you do not use Apple Podcasts, that's okay, because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. In the words of Sherwood Smith, why are you dressed like that? The servants look better. Why haven't you bought new duds? Why is duds a word for clothing in this medieval fantasy novel? Because Bran's the worst. He's anachronistically the worst. Bran is absolute garbage. There's a line a little bit later on. He's like, let's let the females get to know each other. It's like, ew. Bran, ew. Gross, Bran. All right, so that's pretty much it for this book, I guess. I got some stuff to think about in yeah. what direction we're headed in this unit. Yeah. Um, but before we get back to this unit, we've got a couple other things coming up. First up, we have Animorphs. Megamorphs number two next week is going to be our next episode. My episode's real good, um, you guys. <laughs> episode is... <laughs> uh, so swing by for that. Oh, shoot. We didn't talk about... Fuck. Cut all this. Oh. What was, What have you been reading? What have you been reading? I don't know. What have, what's anybody been reading? Hold on. Let's get into it. <laughs> God damn it. We're so... We, we, We've been I forgot doing this to for 80-something episodes. It's ridiculous. Okay. But to be fair, we've only been doing That's this true. format for... Less than that. That's like um, 20. Yeah. And like That's half of those are animorphs. Anything. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck me. 